Amen. Well, thank you, uh, worship team. Thank you, Dana, for filling in uh, for me this week. Um, if you're new here, that's typically where, where you'd find me is over here with a guitar. And just super thankful that Dana can step in occasionally and lead for us here. I uh, appreciate just the time to worship together. It's good to be together. Good morning. Um, my name is Levi. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Christ Redeemer Church. And I just mentioned my, my normal role is to lead worship here, uh, but today is a chance to uh, to bring bring the word to to take part in our uh, or to lead us in our worship in the word part of the service with the sermon. Uh, and so, just thankful to be here, thankful to get the chance to do that today. Um, it's good to see everybody here. Uh, over the last few weeks, what we've been doing, we do this every January. I realize we're in, now we're in February, but over January we always. Uh, do what's called a, a vision refresh type of series where we just talk about our church and we talk about these 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 big things for us, which are gospel, community, and mission. And if you've been with us the last three weeks, you, you've heard Pastor Brett kind of flesh those things out and how those look and, and work in our, our church. If you missed any of those, I, I recommend going and watching them online again. It just will give you a sense of, of who we are as a church and what we're doing and what we prioritize and gives you a little bit of sense of the method to the madness, perhaps. Um, but what I'm doing today is I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to kind of piggyback on that, that whole series. So we're going to turn the sedan into a station wagon, okay? We're just going to add a little, little bit of extra in here. Um, and I want to take the opportunity today to talk about our, our worship right here in, in this room. What happens on Sundays, right here. We get together. And, and we, we worship, we do this thing. We have what's called a liturgy, and that is an order, a structure, a way in which we worship. Um, but we don't typically actually stop and talk about it. And so uh, today is just a chance to, to do that and, and kind of connect it to who we are as a church, our vision, our, our mission, what we're trying to do here. So that's the aim this morning. That's, and I'm excited to talk about it. I don't think I've ever done a sermon on a liturgy. Like, we don't even use that word here very often, um, but, that, but we're going we're gonna to go there today. The questions we're going to try to answer today are simply this, what are we doing when we gather, and why are we doing it this way? What are we doing when we gather, and why are we doing it this way? Some of you will watch the Super Bowl later today, um, mainly for the commercials, I understand, but some of you may watch the game uh, and you'll, you'll pay attention to it and all of that, and you have, you know, a horse in the race somehow. And if you ever notice in football games, the coach will talk to the, with his headset like this kind of, and he'll put a clipboard up, you know, and he'll, he'll, he'll hide that from the other team because he wants to communicate to his team as to what's going on so that everybody's on the same page. It's not enough that they all know that they're playing football. They actually need to, to know what they're doing together. They need to know play by play what's going on. And, and in the same way, that's kind of the aim here, the desire here this morning, is, is for us all, we're all just one big team of people, we're God's people here together, and as much as we can understand what it is we're trying to do here together on Sunday mornings, it's going gonna, it's gonna to serve, I think, for a, a greater experience worshiping God together, um, hopefully some more, some more passion, some more energy, some more uh, sense of anticipation, some excitement for encountering God together. So that's my aim, is to take the clipboard away. Let's talk about what's going on here between 10.30 and 12 o'clock noon and, and just see how the Lord uh, 
uses that with us here today. And, and as you know, that's, that's my aim, that's my desire, is it infuses kind of a, a, a fresh, deeper passion in us um, to know what's going on better. So anyway, that's the, that's the direction we're going today. It's a different kind of sermon for me, but I am excited to, to go there. Let's pray, and then, and then we'll jump in, okay? Lord, I'm so thankful to have a, a place and a people uh, where I can come and I can sing of my need for you. It's a unique thing, Lord, that a bunch of people come together and basically just confess we need, we need our God, we need Jesus, we need our Savior. Um, those who tend to maybe perhaps try to insult Christians by saying something like uh, it's, your Christianity is just a crutch have no idea how much deeper it is than that. Uh, you are not a crutch, God. You are our lifeline. You're everything to us. We're happy to be a people who acknowledges, admits, and embraces the fact that we're needy, we're weak, we're helpless. You are our God. You have saved us, and you continue to do so. And so we're happy to proclaim that, God. We're happy to say we need you today. And I'm thankful to get to be in a place, Jesus, where we can openly confess that and mean it with all of our heart that we need you, Jesus. And so... Even today, God, we, we ask that you would, you would fill us and help us and strengthen us today, God. I pray that as we talk just about what we're doing, this might feel a little bit more in-house in terms of, of um, the content today. But, but God, I do pray that you would um, do a work by your Spirit in us, Jesus. You glorify yourself and, um, and you would just help us, God, to just continue to, to be uh, humble receivers of your grace and that we might... Um, receive it, and then go live in it uh, today. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you grabbed a bulletin this morning because that's what we're looking at. There's your, there's your sermon outline. Your bulletin is your sermon outline today. It's very simple. Uh, and we're going to, so you'll know how close we are to the end of the sermon just by following that. It's going to be very, very straightforward. At Christ Redeemer Church, we have what's called a call to worship. I didn't grow up with a call to worship. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. That wasn't my thing. But we have this thing called a call to worship. And I know, because there's a scramble on Sunday mornings, that half of you had no idea we had a call to worship in the morning. And, or you see it and you always wonder, what, that, what is that thing? You know, why do we talk about it? Well, it happens every morning, every Sunday. It's a call to worship. It's actually an intentional part of our service. And, and it's okay if you're scrambling to get in the room with, all the grace, we understand that. But if you do miss that, you have missed something intentional. You have missed a, a strategic part of our service. And so if you can be in here uh, for that, it actually will, will, will serve you and help you in your worship. But here's what the call to worship is. Here's why we do it. The call to worship, it serves to unify us and simply to remind us why we're here. It unifies us and reminds us why we're here. We are here to worship the living God. And that can seem like a no-brainer. That can, that can sort of feel like, well, of course we are. If you go to a buffet, you're there to eat food, right? I mean, you don't, you don't need someone at a buffet to tell you, remember to eat some food here. Do you, you know, don't, don't forget about that. The reason you go to a buffet is to eat food, that's why you're very cautious when you suggest it as a date night option, by the way. 
It's, uh, you got to be careful there if you're going to su- suggest the, the buffet. Because it's about the food. That's why you're there. You're there to eat. And when we come together on Sunday morning, it's, it's like a spiritual buffet. You, you, we've come to eat. We've come for our souls to be nourished. But you know how it is on Sundays. You're, you're scrambling to get out of the house. You, you, maybe you got a, a pile of kids you got to load up in the car and make sure you didn't forget anybody. Or you're serving in some capacity, and so you've been doing stuff kind of all morning, or you got in a fight with your spouse on the way, and this is the last place you want to be right now, is here, talking to people. It's crazy. It's a, it's a crazy morning. You can sit there and have your mind going a thousand different directions, and you can actually be at the buffet and totally forget to eat food. And then you go home. And so the call to worship is a chance for us to, to stop and remember why you're here. It's meant to quicken your heart. It's meant to quicken all of our hearts to say, we're here to worship God. We almost always use the Psalms to, to call us to worship. Uh, whether it's whoever's up here, Thomas or Joel, or anybody who, who stands here to call us to worship, usually comes out of the Psalms, not always. We, that's intentional. We don't shoot t-shirts at people. You know, we don't, there's, no, there's nobody swinging from the rafters. We're not going to try to pump people up to worship. We're not, it's, it's not... That doesn't ultimately seem to be all that helpful to me. And it it seems like we have enough noise in our lives already. We don't need more craziness going on. We just need something simple. And so we go to the Psalms to call us to worship. That's it. God's Word is going to call us to worship. We're going to trust that God's Word is effective in that way. You know, at some big retreat, shoot the t-shirts and stuff. I mean, that's fine. It's a different setting, you know. But, But right here, that's how we do it. Um... And, we, and we, we use the psalms then throughout the service. I mean, that's a pretty normal thing that we would do together. And we do that. We go to the psalms. I already mentioned because it's God's word. We, we love God's word. It quickens our hearts. But there's another reason we go to the psalms. And, and that's because for over 2,000 years, the church has been using the psalms. We've been praying the psalms, reflecting on the psalms, singing the psalms together. Using that connects us to a long history of God's people. We might not think about it, but what it's doing is it's connecting us to a long history of God's redemptive plan. He saved a people for himself. And they've been been singing and reading these psalms for over 2,000 years. And we love that we're part of that history. It is a beautiful history. It's, It's not a perfect history. There's some bad spots in there. But overall, God has preserved his church. And he will continue to do so. And, and it's interesting to think that's even older than that. It's even thousands of years. Some of these psalms are thousands of years old. So that in ancient Israel, they might have gotten up and proclaimed the same, some psalm that we say on Sunday mornings here to call them to worship. It's just this connection. It, it, it reminds us that in 2020, here in Woodbury, Minnesota, in East Ridge High School, we're connected to a huge story. And it's an honor to get to be a part of that, to come together and to get to be a part of worshiping with God's people together. So there's, there's, that's the call to worship. That's what's behind that, is like, let's bring all of that together and let's remember why we're here. God is doing something awesome, and it's not just with us. Uh, there's a, a lady by the name of Marianne May Thompson who says it this way, Worship serves 
the indispensable function of uniting us with all the saints, living and dead. In fact, one of the most important things that worship accomplishes is to remind us that we worship not merely as a congregation or a church, but as a part of the church, the people of God. And John reminds his readers, this is from Revelation, that their worship is a participation in the unceasing celestial praise of God. And so too, the worship of God's people today finds its place in the middle of a throng representing every people and nation, tribe, and tongue. Let's worship together. That call to worship is a a movement to go that direction for us and to be on the same page and to unify our hearts together. So with that, we receive that, we begin our singing. We worship in song. Go ahead and there it is. Look, at, You can see it right in your bulletin. We worship in song. As a, as a 16-year-old teenage boy, I, I started to learn how to lead worship. Um, there's actually a couple people in here who would have known me at that time, which is crazy. Dana was one of them. And uh, the, the liturgy and the priorities in my mind were very simple. 16. One, don't snap a string on my guitar. Number one rule, right? Just make sure you don't do that. Two, which still happens sometimes, but whatever. Uh, play so- fast songs and then follow them up with slow songs because that's the, that's the emotional ride that we're all on together. Three, play everybody's favorite song as much as you possibly can because you don't want anybody to get mad at you. So I'd play like 10 or 15 songs sometimes. Just pile them on. Here we go. And then whatever the preacher's going to do is fine. And then get ready for the altar call. And that was it. That was kind of the, the process for years and years and years. And it was a Pentecostal church. And honestly, God used that. It's very simple. It's amazing that God used it and used it so well for me and, and formed a lot of us. Um, but there was room to grow. There was a little bit more thoughtfulness that could go into it, some more intentionality. And over the years, I've grown in my understanding of what, we, of what a liturgy should look like. Um, Brett and Thomas have both had a, a hand, big hand in like forming what we do on Sunday morning here. Um, a guy by the name of Brian Chapel. I'm going to use a lot of his stuff. I'm not going to really quote him much today, but I do want to recognize that he's been helpful in forming some of my thoughts um, about what it looks like to shape a liturgy in a way that is helpful for people, that is right for God's people. So here it is. Here it is. Our liturgy, from the call to worship to the benediction, is structured in a way to do this. It is meant to retell the gospel story. That's it. Our liturgy from call to worship to benediction is a journey of retelling the gospel story. And by us retelling, I don't mean us, these people here. I mean like together. We retell the gospel story every time we get together on Sunday morning. We retell it with passion and excitement and, and with emotion and eagerness and happiness and all that stuff. But what we're essentially doing is retelling the gospel story. Now, the gospel, when I say that, this is what I'm thinking. It's, the gospel is, is not, pay attention to my words, it's not just that Jesus died and rose again to save us from our sins. It's not just that. It is that. In fact, it's probably the climactic point of the gospel is this this death, burial, resurrection, salvation we have in Christ. Climax is there. But the gospel is is a, a bigger story 
than that. It's actually a story that starts with God. It's a true story of good news for, God, for all, all people. And it starts with God. It, can, it starts in the garden. Who's there? God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1. John 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The Word was God, and the Word was God. So you have the all-powerful, all-knowing God who created man. Here's gospel for you, the story of it. But man rebels against God. Man wanted to be like God. We still see that today. Uh, And in their effort to do so, they sinned. And the curse of sin came into the world, fell upon this whole world. We feel it every day, this curse. But God, in his mercy sent his son Jesus to rescue us from sin by becoming sin for us and suffering the wrath of God on our behalf. There it is. So now, anyone who puts their faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin receives forgiveness. And we're made right with God. And then from that point on, we live this new life of faith, of humble obedience, hope in the resurrection. We have this forward hope that we think about. And we love God and we love neighbor. There's this whole process, this whole story. All that stuff starts with God. It is his story and we receive this good news to us. So, that's what I'm thinking about when I say gospel. When we come together, when we start singing, we're going to go, we're going to go vertical. We're going to go to God. If the gospel starts with God, we're going to go to God. We're going to look up to God together. We might say, this is, an, this is our adoration of God. So we have a gospel-shaped liturgy that starts with adoration, first and foremost. So we might sing a song like, Holy, 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 or the God the Uncreated One, or Our God is Strong. Something could be a hymn, could be a simple song, doesn't matter, but something that's going to get us to look up and to see God for who he is. Because you know what worship is? Worship is not something we create. It's actually really just a response to something. We see something and then we worship it or don't worship it. It's a response, first and foremost. So, and it can be, you know, positive or negative, right? I mean, you can see some shoes and then suddenly you got a worship problem, you know? Or you can see God and you can suddenly have a worship-like op- opportunity here. It, it just happens. It, but it's a response, no matter what. It's a response to something or someone that we see. So we look up, we see God, we honor God, we recognize who he is together. The text we're going to look at today is Isaiah 6, and I picked it just because I could have picked a number of texts today. It's not going to be an exposition of this. It's just going to be like a model for us to walk through, to see, see a pattern of worship here in Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, so if you have your Bible, you can turn there. I do have the words on the screen too. But Isaiah 6... Starting in verse 1, we'll see that Isaiah has this encounter. It says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth 
is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. So Isaiah has this stunning vision of God. Seraphim. The train, the, is the train of his robe filling the whole temple. I mean, this is just an unbelievable vision he's getting of God right now. And we'll get to his response in a second. But just notice, first of all, he sees God. He looks up and sees God. We can't recreate a vision necessarily like that here, but we can, we can look up and we can behold our God together. So that's how we start. He's above us. He's holy and we want to get a glimpse of his glory together. And we want to start that way. If we went around this room right now, and because this is kind of, I think this is how this plays out in our lives even personally. If we went around this room and just had a chance to tell your story of kind of how you came to Christ, if, you, if you're trusting in Christ today and we heard your story of what that looked like, how did you come to Christ? There would inevitably be, if you truly have come to Christ, there would, there would be this moment where you realized that, that God is real and that he is who he says he is right here. Something happened in you. Something convinced you at some point, somehow, in some way, that God is God and you're not God. And you have a response. You had a response in your own story. You come in confession and repentance. Like you repent of your sin. You realize what? You're not God and I'm I'm sinful. And this is exactly what happens with Isaiah. Isaiah chapter, same chapter, verse 5. He says, woe is me. He sees this. Woe is me, for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. So I'm a sinner. And I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He sees God, we see God, we adore God. There's a response. There's a next thing that typically happens in that we turn in confession of our sin. We just realize like that is an appropriate response. So when we're together on Sunday morning, that can look a lot of different ways. It can look like a song that we sing. We sing a song like, What Can Wash Away Our Sins, where we're acknowledging our sins. It could be a song that has a singular verse in it about sinfulness and and just gives us a chance to, to, to rightly align ourselves in light of a holy God. It could be a corporate prayer of confession. Again, not something I grew up with, but I've learned to appreciate. Uh, a corporate prayer of confession where the words are there and we all just pray it together. I, I really appreciate what that does. It, it reminds us that we're a community of people, okay? Like we're not just individual people. And so to, to, to pray the same confessions, the same words, helps kind of reinforce that. That we're not just a bunch of individual people. And I think it also helps us understand like, hey, my sin might have looked different than the person sitting next to me, you know, that I'm, that I'm sitting next to here, or this person over here. It might not be the same sin, but, but I stand with my brother or my sister, and I grieve it with him or her. Like, I care about that too. And, and I care about this person's. And it, it, what it does, it kind of just levels the, the playing field and says, hey, we are a collective people. We're a community of people. And so when this person sins, I feel that too. When this person sins, I feel that too. And so doing a corporate confession together is a way for us really to stand together as a community. Nobody's higher up, closer to God than the next person. We all stand in need of grace. And, and we all stand on, on level ground together. 
and we, and, we re- and we confess our sins, whatever they are. I also like these corporate confessions because they kind of teach us how to confess sin a little bit. You know, we can have a hard time knowing even what to say when it comes to confessing sin. Simply saying, God, I'm sorry that my kids made me angry. Um, <laughs> Isn't quite a confession, you know. Let's read. Let's pull out Psalm 51 again. We we need instructions as to what actual confession looks like. How to own how to own our sin in in good ways, healthy ways, not condemning mean spirited ways, but good healthy ways. Uh, and and praying prayers together can actually help us to learn how to articulate what it looks like to pray a, a prayer of confession together. The silent reflection that we have a lot of times here is really just a chance for the Holy Spirit to do his ministry of conviction of sin. That's one thing the Spirit does. Um, John 16, 8 speaks to that. And so to give some space and some time for the Spirit to, to bring up some issues that we maybe have been stuffing and pushing away and ignoring in our lives all week, all morning, whatever, it, it really just gives the Spirit space, more space, I should say, to, to bring out anything else that needs to be brought up in your heart that you need to bring to the Lord. So that's, what's, that's, that's why we do that. We need this. We just need the steady, gracious work of the Spirit to soften us up. We naturally get hard-hearted. So we confess our sins. We also encourage people to confess their sins to one another. James 5 talks about that. Uh, so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to each other that you might find healing. Let me tell you, if you're in a pattern of sin, like just the same kinds of sin keeps coming up and keeps coming up and keeps coming up. Confessing your sin to other people will help break that pattern big time in your life. So don't just stay isolated if it's a repeated thing. Man, get it out into the light with other people. And it also helps foster a a humble attitude here in our church. If we all have to confess sin together, we all have to humble ourselves together. And so... We're trying to do that. That's an intentional part of our service. And that moves us to the next piece. That is, we receive an assurance of pardon. We need something to, re- to remember God's grace. We are, we are assured of his grace. We, are, we have an assurance of pardon. Again, this can happen through a song that we sing or, a, or some scriptures that we read. Um, we could sing a song like Before the Throne of God Above, which just talks about this high priest that goes before us and intercedes for us. We, we need to re- remember that, especially in light of our sin. We need to remember that. We have this high priest, this God. First um, John 1, 9, this has been a common thing that I've said after a time of confession. It's just this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just an assurance of grace, an assurance of pardon. We need to hear that. This happens in Isaiah, Isaiah 6. Picking up again at verse 6. After, he, after Isaiah has this experience, he sees God for who he is. He sees his sin. He says this, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that, he's, that he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, This has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Isaiah needed to hear that in light of his guilt. He needed something. Where do I go from here, God? He needed to hear it, and God faithfully assures him of his grace 
We've been forgiven. I know we hear that. I know it's easy that, that can, something familiar like that can just kind of like not land with the same force. But just let me say again, we have been forgiven. No part of you is not forgiven. When Jesus washes people clean, he doesn't miss spots, right? He's a thorough cleaner. Everything gets cleaned. And we struggle with it. We, we still do run away in shame. We still do try to hide. We still do try to put on a front for people. We do, when we confess sin, try to make it sound like it, it wasn't all that big of a deal, you know? We have an image to maintain. We have these... We know that's true, but then if we looked at our lives, we would say, well, I don't know how much I really believe it, because, man, I really struggle with this one. But let me tell you, there is no more shame. There, there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what it is. There is no more shame for you. Jesus took all of it on himself. You might think, you might feel, a lot of that shame. You might feel unlovable. You might feel dirty. You might feel ugly, like you need to hide and you need to stay away from places like this. And I'm telling you, this is exactly where you need to be. You need to be assured that by God's grace, you're pardoned. It is wiped clean. And you need to hear it all the time, week after week. That's why we do it week after week. You need to hear it again. I need to hear it again. Over and over, you are clean in Christ. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. That can be sin that you've committed, something you're responsible for. That can be sin done against you that left a shameful impact on you, whatever that sin is, however that got worked out, whatever, however it confronted you, or you confronted it in some way, grace abounds even more than that. So you can be assured that God's grace is sufficient for you today. And we go through that process on a regular basis because we need to hear it and we need to receive that. Next in our liturgy, our, our way that we worship together, it just leads us from this naturally to a, a thankful devotion to God or to, or to, to pray prayers or, or make kind of petitions to God. We move in. Those things don't have to follow each other. They can be, it just all kind of happens together. But we, we, we have this thankful sort of like yes to God. I'm devoted to him. I receive his promises. I believe them. We, make, we, we pray. All that stuff is kind of our response. It's what happens next for us. In Isaiah 6, we see it here as well. We see that uh, he says in verse 8, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send who will go for us? And then I said, Well, here am I. Here I, here I am, the clean one, the one who's been cleansed. I can do this now. Send me. This is, this is Isaiah's response. Send me. Yes, God, send me. And his life is just forever changed. 
because of this cleanness, this new heart that he has, this experience that he has, he's had with God, has produced in him an eager willingness to say yes to Jesus, and or to yet say yes to God. We say yes to Jesus together here. Whatever, whatever my life looks like, God, I just want to be a part of it with you. So that can lead us to songs or prayers like um, uh, one we've been doing recently, that First Corinthians 13 song. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not arrogant or pride. This, this, this song that says, I want to love like that. I've received love like that. I want to give love like that now. I've received it. I want to give it. I've received grace. I want to give grace. It's this new orientation. So we move into a time like that because that's kind of the natural effect of the gospel and the cleansing and the pardon and all that stuff is like, yes, Lord, I want to keep going with this. We might sing a song about being on mission at this point or, or pray a prayer about being on mission or something like that where we're proclaiming the coming kingdom of God in some way. Uh, there's a song uh, called Father, Let Your Kingdom Come. We've, we've sang it here a few times. Um, where the verses say, may the words of my mouth speak your peace. And the chorus just is, Father, let your kingdom come. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, let your kingdom come. It's a prayer. And by the way, it's also intentional that it's not very Scandinavian. Okay, that song, that it's, some songs we sing is really meant to kind of push us out of, of maybe what we have grown up with. I know that was my story. It's not everybody here for sure. Um, but for a lot of us up here in, in, in northern Minnesota, this is, this is certain songs that cause us to move and sing in different ways can be sort of a stretch for us. But I'm telling you, there's an intentionality to that. Over the last four or five years, I, I've just grown in my desire, my longing for, for our church, just for the church really, but for our church uh, to be a song that, or to be a place that the, the songs that we sing, even the things that we do, really are, we, we, we learn from the cultures around us. We learn from the different ethnicities around us, the people who speak different languages around us, who, who have different sort of, just come from different cultures and backgrounds, have different skin color. Take that, learn from that, and, and enjoy that, appreciate that God's people is just a very diverse people. And it's easy to get super homogenous and sort of like, this is just how we do it, and this is what I'm comfortable with, this is what I like. And I have just grown over the years of like, I don't really want that. I don't really want that. I want more of a diversity in our worship. And, um, and I'm lim- we're limited. We have what we have to work with, you know. I, I've picked up several different um, black gospel albums to try to le- like learn some of their music and then... Like, I know none of the chords. I look at them like, what is, how do they even play this music? I don't understand how to do this or how to sing that way. So it's, it's a lot of attempts to try to get a little bit more diversity into our worship, into our singing. But there are some limitations, too, in terms of uh, skill sets and abilities here. <laughs> so we do what we can, but there's an aim. There's an intentionality to sing songs that, count, that don't necessarily... Um, come from the culture that you come from or the feel that you that you would most naturally gravitate toward so by god's grace i hope that that just grows and increases you know and so it's kind of an act of faith when we we step out in some way to say let's sing something that's not really our as we're not as used to it it's kind of like okay but this is god's church and we we want to celebrate this and um 
and honor that. So there's, a, there's an intentionality to that. Um, that's a sidebar, just so you know. That's, there's some stuff in my heart there that, that, I, that I continue to pray for, would ask you to pray for as well. But the, the, the aim and the main thing here is like we, we're wanting the things that God wants, and we're, we're looking to be a part of what God is doing um, in this world, and that's where we're at in our liturgy. That's what gets us to this space is this grace that we receive and all this, all this new way of thinking comes from experiencing God in these ways. Then we transition. So this is all like a typical Sunday, by the way. This doesn't mean it's every Sunday. But we transition into a time of worshiping and in the Word. So worship in the Word. That's where we're at right now on a Sunday morning. Uh, main thing I want to say here is that, look, Preaching is just a part of our liturgy. It's not the whole thing. It's not the only time we talk about the gospel. It's happening all morning, okay? And there's this intentionality to that. But it is a huge part of our our morning, our liturgy. It's a continuation of worship. It's a big part of it. Um, We're not going to read through the rest of Isaiah 6, but what Isaiah 6, what he does is he then receives God's word. He receives instruction. So we move into a time of instruction. We receive instruction instruction from God's word. And we, we love that here. We love the word of God here. We love to hear it taught and preached. We know that we live in a culture that's very uh, um, biblically illiterate, more and more. And so we want, we want to take in a, a good diet of God's word here. We typically go book by book through the Bible, um, knowing that the whole counsel of God is good for our souls. There's always something good there. Uh, whoever's preaching connects it to the gospel, to Jesus, to let us know this isn't just a, a rule book for good living. Okay, you might have thought that. This is, this is just a, a manual for how to live your life. It's way more than that. It's, it's God's story. It's, it's, it's more than just a manual. And so when we preach, we try to make sure it doesn't come across as just, do these things now. Get out there and do this stuff. Um, no, this is an act of worship. We come to the word with, with humble, teachable, worshipful hearts. That makes sense. That's a, that's 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 an intentional piece. Um, singing is not the warm up for the for the sermon. It's a part of it all, and the sermon makes perfect sense within that context. Uh, next, we I don't know how to word some of these things. I just said we respond to the word, or maybe that's a worship in song. We we respond to the word. That's a moment for us to stop after the sermon to receive that, to sing a song, perhaps to affirm what, we, what we've heard, to say amen to it, to say, yes, I want to do this, I want to live this out. It's just a way to um, respond to what we've heard together. Sometimes it's a perfect fit. Sometimes it's, you know, we just sing the gospel again in some way, and that's, that's good too. But it's meant to be an intentional response to what we've heard somehow. <clears throat> That leads us to the last thing, and within that is the Lord's Supper. Sometimes it's like today is going to be a Lord's Supper day. That's a that's that's changes up our liturgy just a little bit, but it's also a meant to, uh, meant to be a chance to respond to what we've heard by again just proclaiming the Lord's death and resurrection again um, in our faith in that together. But then typically we end with a benediction, a final a final thing. Benediction is not an old fancy word for goodbye. It's not what that means. It's actually a blessing. It's an actual blessing on, on us, on all of us, as we head out the door. It's, it's like one last reminder 
before you leave to go in grace. Don't, don't just go out there and white-knuckle it now. Go in grace. It's one more call-out before you walk out the door that you don't have to have Herculean strength to go live this out now. We're forgetful. We can hear all these things, and then two minutes later, we can walk out and just completely forget about like God's Spirit in us and working in us, and just we go out in our own strength. So the benediction is one more chance to just say grace to you as you go. View the benediction as a bridge, not an ending. View it as a bridge from here to your everyday life, whatever that looks like for you, whether you're home or working or going, doing whatever you're doing. It's a bridge into that world, and it's saying grace to you. Go in grace. Don't forget that. So that's our, that's our benediction. It's a short little thing, but there's, that's, that's what we're aiming for in that. So that's our liturgy, everybody. I and mean, that's what we're doing on Sunday mornings. That's taking the clipboard away and saying, here's our, here's our thing. Here's, here's our process. I'll say it again. Adoration, confession of sin, assurance of pardon, thanksgiving, Prayers and petition, instruction, receiving instruction, responding to the word, and a benediction. And in all of that, we tell the gospel story over and over and over and over. And we can do it different ways. It doesn't have to look exactly the same way every time. We can actually change some of those orders around. Don't get too rigid with me now that you've seen this. Like, we might mess that around, mess that order up just a little bit here and there. Um, you can move a sermon here and there, and you can move the Lord's Supper around, and there's just a lot of creativity, there's a lot of freedom with this, but essentially it's a gospel-structured liturgy still, and these are the pillars, these are the things we want to hit on a regular basis, provided we can, it's a service that we can do all of that, um, and like I said, it might, it might move around a little bit. Um, I might not be leading worship sometimes on Sundays, and it might look and feel a little bit different, not, but it'll only be a little bit, it won't be that much different. Um, and I just, that's, that's, that's what we're going with. That's what we're going with. Um, I've enjoyed doing it. This has been the way we've been doing it since about 2014 or 15. Uh, it doesn't change that we're here in East Ridge or over at our old location that we were at before. Nothing, none of that changes. We just continue to worship this way. If we're aiming to be a gospel-centered community on mission it makes sense that our, our liturgy then is shaped by the gospel itself. It saturates us. It gets deeper into us. It forms us and shapes us. You, you know you're getting shaped and formed each week that you come together. You, get, you just get this pattern. Your children are being shaped by this liturgy week in and week out. And over time, by God's grace, by the work of the Spirit, we're changed. And we become people who look a little bit more like Jesus we have a little bit more grace in our lives. We, we love him and we love other people more. Um, we're more quicker to forgive. We're slower to become angry. You know, all these kinds of things we long for in our lives. Little by little, by God's grace, this will happen. So that's, that's, that's kind of how we order it and structure it the way we do here at, at Christ Redeemer Church. So that's it. There you go. Clipboard's gone. That's our aim week in and week out. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, just so 
we are so thankful, God, that you have, um, that you just continue to pursue us, Lord. You continue to reveal yourself to us, God. We're thankful that that your gospel and your work didn't just, it wasn't just a thing that meant something to us or means something to us like early on in our lives when we're first um, coming to know you or put our faith in you, God. But but it's, the depths of the gospel are, are it, it just doesn't end. There's no end to that, Lord. We can keep going deeper and, and we need that to go deeper in our hearts. We need to go deeper into the gospel and understanding it. We need to, Um, receive from you, God, on a regular basis, your grace. We need to be filled afresh with your spirit all the time, God. Um, We're thankful for the chance that we get to do that on a Sunday, Lord, with your people. Um, We want to honor you, Lord. We love you. You've been so good to us. Um, And so we we lift you up. We honor you, God, and we want to align our lives to you. We just ask that you keep doing a good work in us, Jesus. Keep doing a good work in our lives. Help us to see you. Help us to receive from you, Jesus. And by your your grace, God, um, glorify yourselves in us, Jesus, as we continue to grow. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.